Frames of the Future is the new provocative film from director David Cronenberg, set in a future where human bodies are beginning to change. Today we'll offer our interpretations of the themes and message of the film, and hopefully make some sense of it along the way. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment, I am Peter, and I am joined as always by Tara. Greetings citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together, we have watched a sci-fi movie, we talk about it, it's really quite that simple. And on this week's episode, which is a little bit later than it should have been, uh, but part of that was because it made sense to watch this movie twice. <laughs> so we've both watched the movie twice, so let's get that out of the way. First and foremost, uh, this is Crimes of the Future, which is the new film by David Cronenberg uh, from this year. Uh, it is now available to rent and, and buy digitally and all that, which is why we, we finally had a chance to get to it. Because a, a very uh, limited, well, I don't know if it was a limited release in the US, but it didn't come out in the theaters here at all. So uh, we had to wait. And so we're going to talk about it. Uh, we'll start spoiler free as we always do. And uh, we'll uh, try and decipher this Cronenbergian uh, film, of which it very much has a Cronenbergian film. Uh, I'm going to stop saying that because it's really awkward to say, but you know what I'm, <laughs> you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> There's no mistaking who who's behind this this one. Uh, mm-hmm. So the premise of this is that we're obviously in a future of some kind, and. <sighs> How much do I explain and then cut off and say any more spoilers? I don't know. I will say that Viggo Mortensen's in the film and he is this very... <laughs> He's this individual that grows new organs and him and his partner, played by Leo Sado, uh, do performance art where they cut out his new organs in front of people. The film deals with evolution it deals with some environmental topics it deals with topics related to artistry and it mixes these all all these things up and has kind of a a bleak but at times hopeful view of understanding the future of humanity (laughs) i I think i'm right in saying all those things and i I feel like so too yeah I, i think i think that's kind of sums it up as best as i can um christian stewart's also in there and a in a smaller role and uh, it is provocative at times, and it does some weird things, but the weirdness does have some context the more the movie goes on, and you kind of understand what it's maybe getting at. Or maybe you don't, but we'll find out <laughs> as we talk about it. So that is the that's the basic gist of it. So well, I'll probably try and keep most of the plot details until spoilers, because it is probably something you should just go into. Like, just know you're getting something a bit weird, you're getting something a bit cerebral, and just... You know, if you're familiar with Cronenberg, you've got an idea. You've got an idea. Uh, so, Tara, how did you feel about Crimes of the Future? Um, I think I like it. You think you like it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like it. Like, I, I like the movie, which is good, because I paid, like, 25 bucks for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so I, I'm actually quite a hit and miss with Cronenberg, uh, like, I don't have too much experience with them. Like, I'll just do my list real quick. I've I've sure. only seen uh, Dead Zone. I've seen which we did uh, on the show. 
which we did, but I had seen that movie quite a lot growing up. And um, I had seen uh, History of Violence, and I've seen The Fly. And I think that's it for my filmography. Yeah, I like all of those for the right. Like, those are all hits for me. Uh, mm-hmm. And I also quite like Shivers, and I, I love History of Violence. You mentioned mm-hmm. that one, but I love History of Violence. I did see Rabbit also, which I think is pretty early. Yeah, that's, that's, I, that's, I, I saw the movie I did before or after Shivers, but yeah, they were both like these two of these 70s movies. Uh, obviously, not all science fiction, but a lot of them are. Uh, Videodrome is pretty great. Um, on the on the flip side, though, like I wasn't really into Naked Lunch when I saw that. Um, I wasn't really into Eastern Promises, and I was really excited about that because that was the one that he did after History of Violence. So I was kind of disappointed by that one. Uh, if you want to see Viggo Mortensen wrestle a man but ass naked, then uh, you make us something out of it. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely on my my you know my spreadsheet. <laughs> so um i did not i did not care that much for a history of violence oh i love history of violence uh mm. i'll be curious to see i mean it's not a sci-fi movie so we won't do it on the show but like I'm, I'm, i'd be curious to see if you revisit it at some point maybe with a, a a better appreciation for more cronenberg if you how you feel i just i wonder if it'll be one that grew because some of his films have grown in me more same with paul verhoeven paul verhoeven's a director where i've really come to appreciate some of his work I always love Robocop because there's parts of that movie that appeal to a young boy no matter what. But a lot of the other elements of that movie uh, have really, I've become more endeared to uh, in my growing up, as it were. Yeah, Verhoeven is a great example of, uh, you know, watching it in two different yeah. times of life. You're like, wait a second, and I think, this is about something else. And I think Cronenberg, <laughs> because he does kind of like scratch it, not only the cerebral, but, you know, he, he does it through the lens of sex, or he'll do it through the lens of, like, body horror, or he'll do it through the lens... You know, he'll, he'll go through these different things, and I I think that that could be an example for you. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I uh, definitely... I, I would say, like, one of the reasons I didn't like about um, History of Violence was I didn't like the sex. And they're two beautiful people. I should have loved the sex, but, like, I didn't... I thought the sex was icky. <laughs> <laughs> like sweaty and like uh, okay. not filmed in a way that was sexy. Like it was weird. That, that's David Cronenberg sex. That's 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 how Cronenberg thinks it should feel. Uh, we get some Cronenberg sex in here. Okay, technically, yes, we get the new sex. Long live the new sex. I think my, I'll say my favorite line in the movie. It's not a spoiler. Okay. <laughs> Viggo Mortensen says, "Don't let it spill." <laughs> <laughs> Find out, a really good line. <laughs> find out in spoilers what what could be spilling. The answer was, may surprise you. That was I I don't know if there could have been a better line for that scene. It was great. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so not naturally, you know, I, I don't. There'll be some mature like themes we're going to talk about, but I wouldn't say it's the the soul thing we're going to talk about here. There's a lot of mm. other things here. Um. Yeah, I like the movie. Uh, and I liked it the first time. I think I liked it even a little bit more the second time. It, but it, you know, the mood has got this like sort of really distinct kind of brooding score with a bit of emotion in it. You may be surprised to notice Howard Shore, who did Lord of the Rings movies, who did the music for this, because uh, very different, you know, musical sound this has compared to to Lord of the Rings. But uh, maybe you wanted to do something a bit more. I guess we could call this art house. It's kind of art house. Oh yeah, sure. I prefer to call it that. Um, so 
Yeah, I I liked it. I liked. I, I kind of viewed the movie through two different lenses as I was watching it. One was uh, an environmental lens about the future and what humans may have to be, become because of like the world that we've built around us and kind of the knock-on effect and how we should adapt to the like what we've done rather than the planet adapting and so on. And then the other lens uh, is an artistic one where I felt this was a very personal director film where Cronenberg is talking about his own work and talking about who he is as an artist. Yeah, uh, he definitely picked up on that. Yeah, there's a lot of that in there. So, and I think they're both very strong themes. Like, they're both there, like, it's very thick throughout the whole thing. I actually kind of struggle with this one a, l- a little bit with the themes. Um, they're both both of those themes are very prevalent in the film and mm-hmm. very strong but i feel like a lot of the messages are a bit um modeled up especially at the end i i don't really know exactly i think what we're going the to messages sp- of the film i think we're going to spend probably at least 20 minutes of this whole thing discussing what the ending means and what we what we think we're taking from it because <laughs> it yeah, there is, there's think- also some openness to it there's definitely some openness to it I can't tell if it's a positive thing or a negative thing, <laughs> which is, I don't know. And I don't know which one Cronenberg wants me to feel. It felt happy to me in the moment, but yeah, but we could do but that. But... It's also a little bit of like a soil and green ending. Not like with the, I mean, it'll make sense when you talk about it in spoilers, but like, there, I mean, yeah, it's, just, it's a don't, bit dire. Don't worry. Know? Like, <laughs> if you know the twist of Solid and Green, we're not saying it's got the same thing at all. No, but, no. It's, but there it's is something. Like there is something that looks a little bit like, you know, you know Solid and Green when they're eating the, the, the Soylent stuff? Mm-hmm. But the thing in this that's kind of reminiscent of that does look like it's, it's purple, yeah, it but looks it looks like similar. A, like a 1990s version of an energy bar or like yeah. a protein bar or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about all that stuff. Does, you know, like, even the opening shot of the film is a is like a, a ship that's capsized and is just in the water and it's kind of ruining the beautiful ocean of wherever they are in this, the opening scene, and that that opening shot hit differently when I'd already watched the film and I knew what it was going to go on to say and like explore. So all of a sudden, this image of this like you know rotting ship just sitting in an otherwise beautiful you know ocean view was like oh. This image sets up like half the themes of the movie in like one simple visual, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know, we have altered the planet. You know, techno- you know, not, not I mean, technology is part of it, but like more industry and like our use of things and everything it's our we've waste. done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's not the last time you see imagery like that. There's a meeting place later on where Vigo's meeting up with someone in like a it's like a shipyard where just there's just tons of like you know derelict ships just lying around mm-hmm. and they're all kind of rotten and stuff so uh and even where he lives it's like a, is it a lighthouse like him and leah said all live in uh something like that oh, a, i couldn't tell it's actually. like a, it's a tower of something it's like an old school tower of some kind i think i thought it may be a lighthouse but you yeah, they're definitely looking over the water yeah it's very industrial feeling though it feels kind of, kind of run down like yeah they're keeping it in good condition because they live there but like when you look at the outside and it feels kind of nihilistic when they're walking outside you know I do like the um, the we don't really know how far into the future this is, but oh no, very I, I kind of like that. Like uh, modern technology is nowhere to be seen. Like nothing seems to be electronic. It's all everything's gone back to like files and books and uh, traditional forms of well, uh, communication. But then you get these uh, devices that you see that are very high tech, but also very like organic. 
Well, that's Which what isn't like a that's big what I was going to say. Cronenberg, but that, that's what I was going to say. You, you were saying that uh, like all this technology seems to be missing, but I was like, yeah, but the bed has software, <laughs> so like the bed has like computer elements to it, but it looks very organic. It looks very Giger esque. I would describe it as, to be honest, if mm-hmm. I was to give it a word. Um, so there is technology. There absolutely is, um, but. Just stylistically, not the kind that you would expect from the future we live in now. No, but I, I think stylistically, <laughs> the, the, like this is like a, just a choice visually, more, more than anything, really, just to give it this kind of this feel. Like almost people have had to like sort of peer back in some of this stuff, perhaps for various reasons. But um, I, I think th- those visuals of like the cherry sits in when he's eating his bed, which is this like organic looking like seashell thing it's like a walnut that's been open yeah. oh yeah okay well yeah. i can see walnut yeah um those visuals like that's the only thing i really remember because the trailer was just a bit of a main trip where i'm like what the hell is this movie and that was the one visual i remembered was this bed you know i didn't know it was a bed in the trailer but like in the movie so oh, this is a bed okay right that's what this thing is uh, the, the sart no 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 the sart's the the uh the thing they use for the show the, the, their instrument yeah so yeah. it's the you mean the, the walnut bed with the, the walnut bed yeah 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 with the tubes yeah that's what i mean that's the bed yeah uh yeah, the okay. yeah there's the starts the uh what was it the autopsy machine basically mm-hmm. uh but yeah it's this company that makes this stuff and we, there's a couple of like mechanics from it that, that pop up in the movie that show up and so there's all there's all these little bits of world lore that are kind of implemented and it's a really fleshed out world no pun intended but at the same time it feels like it does leave a lot open to the imagination as to how the world is and works like it sets up the things it needs to, but lets your imagination kind of fill in a lot of blanks to sort of stop it from being, like, really nailed down, which I think works in the context of what this is, because it, it you know, it has this kind of, like, it's the future, but it could be any time in the future. This, this could be a thousand years in the future, it could be five thousand years in the future, and we have no idea. Yeah, I guess it kind of reminds me of Dune in that way, where we see you know technology that is clearly very advanced from mm. where we are now but it's also but they also still have you know books nothing's being kept data wise in like a machine somewhere that people can access yeah. so it does feel like technology has skipped but like some things are just so reliable like paper and pen yeah i wonder if there's more of a thematic reason than that though the, the logic of like that like i wonder if it's like a privacy thing like oh we need to stay off the network so paper and pen doesn't you know <laughs> doesn't go yeah. into a system that can be accessed it's like you know if you want if you want this information you need to break into the failing cabinet and get it <laughs> but that does feel like far future right when mm. uh, machines don't feel like they've they, they basically run themselves but then uh you know everything like bookkeeping wise is kept um uh something that's older technology and it does feel like, uh, yeah, maybe the people who invented all this stuff got things right, and now they just run themselves, and we don't have to worry about it, and people don't remember how to do that stuff anymore because it's just so many generations ago. Um, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Although it's worth mentioning, like I said, there's like mechanics for the these like fancy devices that do come and fix them and update I was thinking more about Dune in oh, that okay, comparison. Sir. All but, right, yeah. um, but this does feel almost like a Dune future. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I feel, I'd say it Picture feels old and new. It kind of, I think the tone for me veers almost. I don't like quite say David Lynch. It does feel Cronenberg, but there was definitely a feel when the music was like sort of playing as they were walking out of their their lighthouse home or whatever it is for the first time, and I was like, I'm almost getting like, 
a razor head kind of feelings from like this world that he's in uh i've not uh, seen that so i don't know like, it was just a slight feeling but it's been a while since i watched the razor head admittedly but i was getting kind of this this you're just this lonely like nihilistic world and you know this is a world where a lot of the population because it basically part of the plot is that people are evolving and he's getting new organs and apparently that happens to some other people too he's turned it into kind of an art thing we're taking it out it's like part of his art show as a artistic performance but part of this is also that a lot of people on earth uh and they never like give us like exact numbers per se but a lot of people on earth don't feel pain anymore like just pain's just gone and in some ways obviously that's good because you don't feel pain but on the other side it's also like a warning system in certain situations if you feel pain so if you don't feel pain then you know and because of that there's a lot of like oh people just like cut open themselves and do surgery on themselves because no one gets infections or pain anymore so there is it's opened up this weird new like uh i don't know not cult but like you know people doing performance art on their bodies with blades yeah, and it's just shit. like a, a curiosity did you ever have the surgery channel growing up i don't know if that's a thing I, in the I, uk no. but it's a thing in canada <laughs> <laughs> Where you can just watch people perform surgeries on on TV. Um, I saw a lot of you know aneurysms, a lot, a lot of enlarged hearts, uh, some some things on foots that were cut off. Um, I never encountered this. No, I have to say. I mean, there is a fascination with the human body, and we know Cronenberg has that fascination. Oh yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, I I like the performance art aspect of this film the most. I think I like the stuff that is clearly like coming from Cronenberg like showing you his insides as art you know yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think I like that stuff the most in the movie actually yeah there's that there's the whole idea that like this is this causes great pain and everyone keeps saying to Vigo like when have you got have you got an idea for your next thing is your, is your next organ grown mm-hmm. yet and you, know, you can obviously imagine like a director said oh what's your next project you got something else cooking like this mm-hmm. idea people are feeding off of them and there's this pressure to like do the next thing and like you know Vigo at multiple points in this movie question is like you know and he, obviously the way he says it is kind of almost like a joke because it's not really creativity but like I wonder if my creativity is all dried up like am I done mm-hmm. making organs and you can tell you can imagine like Cronenberg as a director uh saying am I done like have I, have I, have I done all my ideas do people understand my art do, you know because that's the other thing is at multiple points in the film people say is what you do to your organs is that what you should be doing or is that you like betraying the natural course of evolution and i kind of took like there's people looking at their art as like taboo is like you know people think of cronenberg's films that way like yeah he makes like well-made films but some people do think they're disgusting or that they're too extreme or yeah too grotesque yeah you know uh like people have booed some of his films at Cannes or walked out or whatever right yeah, I heard he wrote this like 20 years ago too and when he like dusted off the script he's, he didn't really change anything. I think it was I mean you could, I mean in a way you could tell cuz like, there's nothing in it that you know needs to be you know thought of in but, the last 20 yeah, years. Yeah, this isn't but like he had these this thought like 20 years ago in his career too. That's what I mean. That's fair. Well, I I almost wonder so a bit of interesting trivia here if you didn't know this already for everyone is one of Cronenberg's early films, it's only about 62 minutes long, but when I was looking up this movie just before we watched it, I discovered that he actually had a movie from the 70s, the early 70s, before he did Shivers, before he did Rabid, called Crimes of the Future. And I thought, oh, is this like, did he remake, remake his own movie? And when I looked into it, it turns out that no, the, the, that is a sci-fi movie, but the premise of the film is there was nothing like this one. The only thing it shares with it is the name. 
And I thought, oh, that's a bit weird for someone to do, you know, for him to make that choice. But then when I watched the movie, I said, you know what, if the whole point of this is him reflecting on his career as a director, as an artist, mm-hmm. him, t- I don't know if it's his first movie per se, but the, the idea of him taking the name of one of his first things that he ever did and calling that this, this, that, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I get what he's doing. This is mm-hmm. him being reflective and looking back at his body of work and, like, I don't know if he intends this to be his last movie. I don't know if he said he's retiring or, or anything. Uh, but mm-hmm. if this is his last movie, it would be kind of perfect if it was, because it is kind of a, this is me, t- my, like, I've, I've run out of things to say about other things. So this is me saying, talking about being an artist and me wrapping up and tying a bow in my career. It could be. I don't know if it is. Maybe he's got something else in the works already. I don't know. But if it could be. I, I like the little meta moment also of, like, we see another version of, like, this performance art. And, like, Vigo comments on it, like, uh, or someone asked him if it was any good, and he's like, yeah, if you like, uh, what is it, uh, escapism or whatever, escapist uh, mediocrity or something, I guess it's okay. It's kind of like a comment on other people's films. Yeah, it was basically, uh, <laughs> like, if yeah, if you like, like, dumb Marvel movies, yeah, <laughs> you'll enjoy <laughs> That's this. That's what I got from it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and this this does 100% a Lusica film like I was captivated with the imagery the vast majority of the time I thought the music was great the performances we can talk about them um, obviously Vigo's in here he's kind of always in a bit of pain you know unlike a lot of the like Leah Sado character never feels pain she's one of these humans that don't feel pain anymore uh, he does feel pain though he's got like this special chair because he's having trouble digesting food and he's in so the idea of his bed and his chair is that they sort of like change and move to try and help him feel more comfortable so it's kind of predicting like where his pain is and it, it has this really like weird like you know, he's in this this like almost chairless bones it looks like it's made of bones and it's moving it around like something from like texas chainsaw massacre yeah. house <laughs> uh you know it, it feels awkward and you feel like the the sound effects they've put in of like they're, they're amping up the sound of he's like he's like clearing his throat and like the little clicks and stuff as he's trying to like I like his performance a lot, actually. He he just always seems like he's uncomfortable. Oh, he does. He does. Sometimes, even, even in his voice and stuff, it's just oh, it's just never not there. I will say because they're using like terms that are obviously made up for the movie or they're like you know repurposed for the movie because it's this future world. Um, I did end up turning the subtitles on at a certain point because he does mumble some things sometimes, and I was like, I can't. I don't. I need to. I need to read I, what you're saying. I had the subtitles on the first time I watched it, and you know. I, I can't not look at them when they're on, and yeah. I found I needed it a lot for um, Kristen Stewart's character, but she talks so quickly in the film yeah. that the subtitles went away before I could even read them. <laughs> yeah, she sort of talks quickly and quietly. She's got a very sort of snappy. She's got a quirk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I thought she was good on her role. Actually, she she kind of came across as this young, kind of inspired, like, but like maybe in a bad way kind of character where she's kind of maybe taking the wrong messages and i i almost thought that was also Cronenberg sort of sit you know and i realized the irony of like reviewing this movie and like us saying oh this is what we take from his movie is this is him criticizing people who take the wrong messages from his movie so <laughs> we may actually be the christian shirts of this if we're getting this completely all wrong but mm. uh i talk way too slow to be timlin <laughs> Yeah, Timlin and Whippet is the guy. They, they they work for this bureau that we'll talk about when we get spoilers. But, um, yeah, she's there. Elias uh, Sado, uh, uh, yeah, she's good. She's got presence. She always has this kind of intense kind of 
stare and not in like a intimidating way. there's definitely a lot of uh sweetness in her stare as well but it's no but she is into what she does and oh yeah i i really liked their uh performances together though i i really bought them as a couple who were just obsessed with art yeah yeah uh you know she used to be a surgeon but then when he came in with like a problem at some point that's how they met and it, you know they, they ended up becoming this like weird duo together um a lot of interesting a lot of interesting ideas there with the performances. Um, how, how did you feel about how the film looked? Like the, the, the world, the way it felt? Oh yeah, it looked great. I mean, I I enjoyed it a bit more the second time as far as like the looks of the film go. Because um, the, the first time watching it, I mean, I guess I knew what to expect a little bit, but like you always have to like brace yourself <laughs> for Cronenberg. <laughs> You're just like, okay, what am I going to get here? And the first time all the imagery's coming through and stuff and you're like, okay, I, I get it. It's grotesque or whatever. But I, I got it a lot more the second time where I'm just like, I just bought the world a bit more now that I already experienced it. Yeah. Um, like I liked it a lot after the first viewing. I think I liked it just a little bit more the second time because like, because I, I got used to what the world was, like, when they were casually mentioning things in the opening scene, I'm like, oh, this is this is the first time they actually mentioned this, but it was so much to take in on that first viewing that I wasn't really hearing some of the words, and whereas now I'm like, everything's kind of clicking in a way that's that's really working. Uh, yeah, I thought, like, the bed and the, the bone chair and stuff, I thought, at first I'm like, I don't know if I'm, like, getting into this, because it's almost not grotesque enough for me to be like, ugh, I can't look away. But it's also not that, like, I don't know. It also can look a little bit silly at first. You're like, it's just a bit like a chair of bones. Like, what is this thing? Um, but the second time around, I was like, oh, I like that it looks, you know, organic. Because it kind of looks like uh, like bones, but, like, if there is flesh still on the bone. <laughs> no muscle, just flesh <laughs> all tight and stuff. And it's, uh, like, it makes sense for it to be something that looks organic if it's responding to the body um like an extension of something that the body needs so it, it looks a bit like it's made out of a human body uh so i liked it a lot more the second time just uh getting used to everything yeah vigo when he goes outside he wears like you know this black cloak and hood and I'm not going to lie, there's a couple of moments where it looks like he's trying to be a ninja. <laughs> there's a moment, when, when we're at the other performance, which we'll talk about in spoilers, uh, when we first see him, he sort of crouched down, and I was like, he's a ninja. <laughs> he's actually crouched down like a ninja. <laughs> yeah. I imagine it's because he's just in pain, but also the, um, I, I kind of took that as like, like, he's really like covering himself completely, except for his eyes. And I guess that's just because his body is the art and like he has to hide it from everyone when he's not performing unless he's in like a you know an intimate one-on-one -on -one scenario with somebody he can like be himself but like he always has to hide his body from the world because you know that's that's his money maker i kind of i kind of took that as i mean you might be right but I, I i took that as more of like the from the other side of it i thought of it as a representation that he's kind of shut himself off from the world because he like, there, there is, like, a political side to, like, things changing in the world, which he's kind of just staying out of for the most part. And the movies, the, the arc of the movie is really about him realizing that he should maybe take a side and what side might he take by the end. Um, and I, I kind of took the, the whole, like, constantly, like, covering his face up as him, like, just, like, not wanting to be a part of the world. But 
you know, by the end, maybe he is going to take a place in the world and realize that he should have a place in it kind of thing. Uh, mm. maybe, maybe I'm going a bit too fruity with that. I don't know, but... Uh... I mean, maybe. I, I, again, I just thought that it was, like, his body is on display for his work reasons, so when he's not working, he has to cover it up. So, you know, he's not spoiling what's to come. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we will get spoilers then so we can actually talk about all the various scenes and ideas in the movie because there's a lot to uh, digest. So, full spoilers for the... I can't believe he did that. Full spoilers for the movie. Lip smacking and everything. So proud. I know when I've got a popper, okay? I'm going to pop the audience. They loved that. I know they did. <laughs> Well, the ones that've seen the movie, they have anyway. I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, you probably wouldn't have got why that was funny. But, um, okay. So, <laughs> where do we start with this? Uh, we got plastic eating. <laughs> Honestly, the most disgusting thing in the movie is right at the start when the kid's eating the... The, 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 the wastebasket? Yeah, the plastic bin. And just the sound of the crunching. I'm like, oh, oh. My gag reflex was like, oh, oh, oh. Like, you know. Not, not feeling that, but... I was um, curious what was going to happen, because, like, the mom was like, don't eat anything you find in the beach. No yeah, but, what it is. I'm like, like a fish? Or? Yeah. Well, let's think, <laughs> you hear that, and you think, oh, a kid's been told not to put things in their mouth, you know, he's, he's whatever. But <laughs> th then you get to, like, the next scene, and he starts just eating this plastic as if it's, like, bread. And Yeah, he's, like, salivating. You see, like, drool yeah. come out of him and stuff. Oh, which, which they explain later on, because when yeah, they talk... Yeah, they do. You know, the mom, when yeah. you first watch it, you're like, ugh, he's really into this wastebasket. Well, because I was actually thinking, the first time I watched it, I was thinking in the scene, like, what... Like, that kind of... The, the sound effect makes me think it is, like, plasticky, but, like, how could the human chew plastic? That doesn't make any sense. But then later on, they explain that that white, like, foam is actually, like, there to break down the plastic to make it softer for him to yeah. chew and digest it. I'm like... Ah, okay, all right, okay, they thought of that, they thought of that. Because I'm like, I don't think a human could actually pick up a plastic thing like that and bite into it. Chomp down on it? Yeah. It would have to be probably pretty old plastic that's like sun damaged, so that's yeah. a bit more brittle or something like that. Yeah, otherwise it'd be pretty tough to, to chew through it. There is bacteria out there that can eat through plastic, but it's not something that we make in our saliva. Well, obviously, yes, uh... So, Yet. so then, then the mother suffocates the son. She has a pillow. You know, she's staring at him like he's a monster, and then suffocates him with a pillow. Phones someone says, "Send." You know, uh, what's his name? Scott Speedman's character, uh, who's going to be a one, uh, Dotrice. Uh, so yeah, send Dotrice over here. Tell him that monster or creature he calls a son has bodies here. And, you know, we see him, like, find the body. And that, then we, we, we skip to, you know, Viggo Mortensen and everything. So it kind of leaves it on its own. Like, we kind of get this weird, like, really moody and well-shot scene. Like, I was really intrigued. But then it like, jumps to the other stuff, and it's like, okay, we'll come back to that later. And it's like, okay, okay. Interest, interesting. We'll see how that goes. And we're interested in everything that Vigo and uh, Lisa do. So I should probably use the names here. So he's uh, Saul Tensor. So I'll say Tensor from this point on. And she is Caprice. And... We see them examine his body uh, with kind of an ultrasound-style device. Uh, it's like, oh, you've got a new organ. You've got those new hormones in your blood, so there's a new organ growing, and that means we can do a show soon. Uh, but there's a new law coming out saying that 
you know, weird organs that, that manifest. Like, people have to go and get them registered at the Organ Registration Bureau. <laughs> so, that's where they go early on, and we meet Whippet, and we meet uh, Timlin, who is the, the two people, Timlin being Christian Stewart's character. And we get a lot of the exposition of the world here, where they're talking about why they're having to do this, and some of the, the, the key themes, like, you know, cutting it out, and, like, why do you cut them out? And he's like, well, it's effectively like a tumour. Like, who wouldn't cut it out? Like, surely that's what we're supposed to do. And Timlin's clearly excited to meet them, and kind of nervous about it, uh, and they talk about how the world is changing, how there's no pain anymore for most people, uh, things like that. We get a lot of this exposition here through that meeting. And we get the show. We get her cutting it out of him. She has this weird, like, controller where it's, like, a fleshy like a looking thing. Yeah, it's like a big fleshy bug that lights up in the places where the buttons are and where she's pressing it. And she takes out this organ that comes out of his body. It's just some rant, you know, two, and all these extra organs are just, like, chunks of flesh. Or... Yeah, they're just chunks of flesh with tattoos on them. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah, it was taking them to... They're the ones who tattooed it. It was the Bureau. They tattoo for... Uh, oh, no. I think they said uh, Caprice tattoos. Yeah, Caprice tattoos them, yeah. Uh, but but the, they also do tattoos or something as part of the new registry thing. Yeah, yeah, because he makes some jokes at the start about, like, shouldn't we put, like, a, a traditional... T- maybe, like, heart or mom or something. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but they're basically, like putting in barcodes or like number codes like onto them to like categorize them or something yeah he's really upset about it because you know, yeah. it's part of their performance art is that they do uh, tattooing yeah and it's, it's obviously it's all very interesting all these people are watching this as a show uh these other characters have come as have the two mechanics who were like like so excited and geeking out that they had this autopsy machine because it's like not made anymore and they've never worked on one so they come to the, the show and Obviously, you expect some of this is going to be sexual because it's Cronenberg, and it is, but it's not as much of the movie as I thought it was going to be. You know, it's kind of like a little layer that's in there about how, mm-hmm. uh, t- you know, Timlin comes up and says, "Can I ask you a question?" Like, like th- this, 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 uh, this performance art here, this, this uh, surgery, that's the new sex, right? And I knew that because when I watched her cut into you, I wished you were cutting into me. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> so this is where we're getting some Cronenberg sex stuff, all right. I mean, it is somebody going inside of another person. So, I mean, maybe that's what the connection is there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he, he does seem to be getting some pleasure out of it, as does Caprice. Like, they, they both seem to be getting something oh, yeah. out of it. And then there's the more intimate there's version a, later. There's also a moment in, in this scene where, like, uh, when he's being operated on uh, by his partner... Where like Vico turns his head and licks his lips like oh, he's yeah. <laughs> yeah he's he's definitely getting something out of it he's he's enjoying it yeah, he, he yeah. De- and I suppose just to sort of stick on this thread because I feel like it'll be easier to stick in the threads rather than just going plot you know scene for scene is mm-hmm. so we see them later uh, Caprice and Tensor have like an intimate moment it's when they're discussing what they're going to do with the the dead kid later on. But she, she, we just cut to a scene where she's lying in the, the autopsy thing, butt-ass naked, right? Um, and he's, like, operating on her, just doing little cuts and things. And it's clearly, oh, no, like, this is, like, their sex, where like, they don't do this as part of the show, but he does it to her as well, just in private, where he'll just mm-hmm. do cuts and stuff. Um, and then it gets more intimate, where he takes his clothes off, and they're just lying there together in this autopsy machine, and they've just got cuts, like, up and down them all over the place. This is their... 
the coitus, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, okay, all right, okay, we're, we're getting like a sense of how things are. I think the most interesting thing for me, though, because you're because they do kissing stuff occasionally, and I was wondering, like, oh, what about like traditional sex? And they, they kind of like bring that up, but clearly some people still do it. But when Timlin tries to initiate a kiss later on with uh, with Tensor with Vigo, like it's kind of awkward, you know, it's kind of stilted, and then he pulls back, and he just kind of like you know, it, and it, instead of ending, because you know sometimes like in a movie they'll have a kiss and the scene will end, and it will imply oh they they probably just went on to do more, they went on to have sex. Here it sort of like ends in this downbeat where he's like, yeah, I'm not really good at the old sex, and then it just cuts to another scene as if oh that was it, that was that was him just killing yeah, it he's dead. Got, like- Erectile dysfunction <laughs> at the end of the scene. <laughs> so I wasn't can't really do it. I wasn't reading it as literal as erectile dysfunction, <laughs> but sure. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, it's it's more of an autobiography, isn't it? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think I, I don't know if that's like Cronenberg commenting on like you know m- the way he's made movies have changed a little bit over time and you can't do it the old ways anymore like you know cinema's moved on or something like, yeah know, a little bit of that uh, yeah i mean you said tim lynn kind of represents the an audience that maybe is getting the wrong messages from things and or, or the, if not the wrong message at the very least like she clearly is fascinated by what he's doing and it's kind of fangirling over him a little bit mm-hmm. but oh, what, definitely yeah but wants something from him that he's not really like Either he can't give any more, or he's just not comfortable, you know, giving it, or, you know, there's definitely a disconnect in, like, how she views his work, and, because, you know, when we find out later on that she has secretly done the surgery already on the boy, and we'll talk about all this plot stuff when we go in more in depth to it, but when we find out that she's already done it in secret, um, you get this kind of idea that she kind of made a bastard job of it, like, she she wanted to be like them and, and do this herself, and... She's kind of desecrated and sort of made a mockery of it. And I, I, I'm not so much saying that Cronenberg's got an ego to a point where he's, like, criticizing anyone who's tried to mimic his style over the years, but you could almost read it that way if you wanted to. Like, you know, some copycat came along and and tried to do That's interesting. I wasn't quite sure if it was her or not that did it. I, I couldn't... Um, I was kind of hoping to talk about this anyway. It was just like... Okay. I, I wasn't sure when they open up the boy and they see that all the organs are actually pre-tattooed i wasn't sure if it was timlin that did it or if it was uh caprice that did it or even like um somebody who just wanted to sabotage like um uh i i don't know like uh uh, the other guy that we meet that's in charge of things or something like that yeah the detective the detective actually says it was her he says he does say it was yeah he says it was her that uh that did it which uh, when you're watching that second time and you see her reactions because she's at this show this is the last time you see her in the movie that's true and uh sal does say like i was wondering why she was there why she she would risk being at this performance yeah because we find out that her and the other guy uh whip it like whip it is secretly kind of very pro-evolution and he's like he's, he's, he's running the secret inner organ beauty pageant <laughs> thing yeah. um but he's disgusted by it he's just disgu- because I, I get the impression that it wasn't just that they tattooed them already that they just either not put back his real organs in or they put back in just random organs because it was kind of horrific and mm. um because you know leah sado when she sees what's in there she starts like the tone of what she's saying in her performance she changes really know what to do yeah yeah she starts talking about how this is like a i didn't say tragedy but she says like words that are kind of in that vein where she, she says oh this is like awful and there's going to have to be more autopsies because they have done this to this this child like you know mm-hmm. she's she, she's not 
because their re reactions are of oh this is the weirder insides we were expecting to find you know because because this is a kid who as we find out through the film he developed naturally a system of organs and obviously the the the, the, the not the venom or the you know, the the, the, the saliva the saliva whatever it is yeah that can the goo that can consume and digest plastic like that's that's what he's become so when they're cutting into him they're expecting to find okay this is going to be like because it's, it's posed by Timlin at one point in the film, like, what if you didn't cut your organs out, uh, you know, too tense, like, if yeah, they were all... she's very aroused by this idea. Oh, yeah, she's really into it. She, she says, like, what if you let them all grow in? Would they form a system? Would they do something? And because at this point we already know what the kid can do, or the kid could do before he was killed, it makes you think, well, is that what they're... Like, if he let his organs grow in, would he be able to consume plastic? Like, is, is that what it's building up to? Is it not just, like, okay, some some people are developing new organs, but is it that is it just random new organs, or are they actually forming a new system that evolution is deeming necessary for the future kind of thing? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's an interesting... We'll get into all the, the plastic eating stuff in a bit, but... Um, so just, it was just because we were talking about Timlin, and I was just like, that that's her last big thing, is she did this like sort of behind everyone uh i mean she did it with the detective because the detective like he runs the the new vice unit which is to police new organs because the powers that be the governments and the, the, the corporations of the world they don't want humanity to change they think change is is ungodly they think it's evil they they think it's disgusting and grotesque you think we won't be human anymore if we allow ourselves to change into something else yeah and I think that's one of the main themes of the film as well. It, it definitely ties into the environmental stuff, but the the idea that, you know, there's always going to be a mass of people who see anything different as bad and that changing mm -hmm. is unhealthy. And I think that's part of why I see the ending as happy is because it's kind of like the vehicle's character accepting. Well, the reason why I've been in pain all this time is because I wasn't accepting the change, whereas now I am, and that's why I finally, the pain's finally going away kind of thing. Uh but we'll get into all the specifics of all the other parts, but we're just, you know, we went down the Timlin rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I I did really enjoy her character, though. I thought, I don't really have a lot of experience with Kristen Stewart. I know you do with her films, but <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really watched too many of them. But, like, I, I guess I, I no longer see her as, like, the, uh, you know, the, the, the person that's... Uh, typecast is boring a <laughs> boring love interest oh she yeah <laughs> she was definitely i, I think the, the problem with christian sure is that for a long time she was very much just the female equivalent to jesse eisenberg is that she was always the same type of character right and not just mm -hmm. bella obviously bella's the, the big one but like she was actually she was actually in a movie with, i think it's adventureland she's in with jesse eisenberg and they're like they're sort of each other's love interest and it's like okay you know what I don't really like much. this, but this is perfect. You're perfect for each other. <laughs> like you're you're perfect. Um, no, I I actually liked her in this movie because it felt like a very different role to what I think. Yeah, of. yeah she, I've never seen her do anything quite like this before, and I enjoyed it. I felt she was good in a movie. Was it Shop Lifter? Shop the shopkeeper? I don't know. The shop something. She's in a movie that was praised. Uh, personal like shopper. Personal shopper. That there you go. That's the one. I, that was praised. I, never, I haven't seen it yet, but that was praised quite a bit. Uh, my my problem with Christian Shirt for a long time was just that, and you know, I I didn't really like the new Charlie's Angels that much. I thought it was just kind of whatever. But I did appreciate that her character in that was so 
like against her typecast like she was this she was the wisecracking bubbly one and it was like so different to like every role i'd ever seen her play i liked her on saturday night live a lot i thought she was a really good host oh sure i've never seen it but uh um so i i appreciate it. it's a relatively small role actually because she's not she's she's, she's no, got but it's memorable because yeah. it's very much against her type yeah you know when she gets typecast yeah she's kind of the she's like the you know the the the, the fan on reddit who is like says i understand this art and i'm going to take ownership of it but i see <laughs> but you balls it up <laughs> mm. uh, I, mean, I mean yeah like it's uh some interesting stuff there um yeah, uh, so to go back to like the the kid, we should talk about the kid because everything kind of revolves around the kid and he's the dressing system and he's, what his dad actually is and what he's up to. Because I think the first time I watched it, I definitely got like they were trying to treat him like he might be a villain, like the dad. Like the first couple of times you see him, the way he kind of like comes into the scenes and like, is watching from afar. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's super jarring because like you see a mother kill her kid, presumably, and then you're just like, well so is she going to jail and like nothing she's like come pick up your kid i'm like okay so that's an admission so like someone's gonna take her away and like nothing like he just shows up and starts crying at the end of the bed and then we see him later on and you know he's kind of hiding around and stuff but it doesn't really look like he's um there's any real consequence to you know the murder that happened in the opening of the movie so it's, it's still like you're just trying to put things together like as you're being shown and uh you know, it, it was very helpful in the second viewing, anyway. There's definitely a distinct me. lack of emotion about the. Obviously, he cares for a lot of reasons that his son has been killed, but none of them feel to be emotional as a father. <laughs> you know, they, 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 no, they, he seems to be ex- just ex- excited to exploit his son. Yeah, throughout the film. Um, I, I, maybe you could read into that. You could maybe read into that in a few different ways. Uh but what he's trying oh, to do it's really like the all those family channels on youtube <laughs> <laughs> i mean he's got this look that he's, he's got a very strong political belief so him and this group of people that he works with um basically have all done surgery to their bodies to make them consume plastic right and what was so special about his son is that he's the first naturally born person who could do this he he was naturally unnatural as as vigo puts it later in the film and his mother killed him because she thought it was disgusting and he was a monster and didn't want any part of it. And she just didn't look at him as a human being. So, you know, the, obviously the idea is a prejudice, the idea of looking at anyone because there, there's something different about them. You've got all these things. Um, he wants them to do a show with his son's corpse. But basically, it's a statement to show, look at how natural this happened and that humanity needs to change. Uh, so we learned throughout the course of the film and them talking about this that... Part of the changes in the new organs are because people are adjusting and what they're trying to sort of... And these purple bars that he's eating are plastic of some kind. Like, I mean, they're making it, they're cooking it, and they're making it. So, yeah, I assume that there's more to it than just that, but that's the main thing is that it's plastic. And the idea being is that this is them eating waste because, you know, part of the environmental problems is that there's so much plastic in the world and it keeps building up and so on and so on. Um, Something, a subject that Tara knows way more than I do about, but... Well, I mean, especially in the oceans and water supply lines, which is why I think there's so much ocean imagery in this film. Yeah, so the idea that we will adapt to try and solve this problem by then consuming that as our main food source in the future is, is obviously, it's kind of a little bit wacky and it's a little bit weird, but Mm -hmm. 
the idea is that it's like, yeah, we have to change, we have to do this, and we have to 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 move forward uh, with this. So he wants to show the world that this can be natural and start sort of this process of change. Um, and you know, Vigo's learned a lot about this the first time, and he's even offered one of the bars at one point and says, "No, I'm I'm quite fussy with my food. I don't, you know, I'm not gonna eat that." Um, and we see somebody consume and 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 die from eating. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyone who's not had the surgery or naturally has the organs to, you know, I mean, yeah, like. I don't think we could consume plastic if we could, I mean, <laughs> not, certainly not any concentrated amount of it. <laughs> Whatever this plastic is, yeah, yeah. it seems very toxic. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we seem to be able to eat uh, microplastics and be okay, but... <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I love the idea of having microplastic in me, but... <laughs> yeah, he, he... So he's got this sort of devout cause, and he wants... To, to display it and so, so they're like questioning should we do this show and they're, they're ultimately going to because they're the art of it right they see it as provocative and you know we're going to find these surprises because this kid is different um and there is this coldness to it you know where he, he brings them over and shows here's my kid's body in this freezer it's <laughs> waiting to be yeah, it's just my son yeah uh it's like well and like well usually you know we have full consent of the people involved because you know it's Vigo giving his consent to be cut open and so on and he's like yeah. well parental consent he was, I mean, he's not going to say it now, so I give my consent. And the mum's in jail saying, I killed that monster, I'm happy I killed that monster, so she doesn't give a shit what we do with the corpse. So, and the kid doesn't care because he's dead. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> there's a logic to it, but it does come off as quite cold. And uh, it's like, okay, yeah. they're, they're going to go through with this. And um, it's... Th- these ideas are very interesting, and I think the end of the movie, the idea being that, you know, we see that, uh, Dotrice, the father, is assassinated at the end of the film after the show. And when Vigo talks to the cop, who he's been kind of working for as like a informant for you know b- since before the movie started, we find this out earlier on. Um, he, he kind of says in the scene that he's you know, he's starting to believe in picking a side here. Like he actually starting to believe that yeah, like this natural change that he's been kind of resisting with his body all this time, like. Yeah, you made a martyr over killing this guy, and maybe that's exactly what the cause needs. And you know, the the cop even sort of says, "Hey, it sounds like you're starting to believe some of this." And mm-hmm. um, I th- I think the ending to me is a is a happy ending where he finally tries. You know, he's in the chair, he's struggling to eat his bed breakfast, and they did a good job making this look. It's just like a green paste. It looks like this is this disgusting, like I don't know, just like crushed out crushed up some vegetables and just yeah i mean even the like the spoon that's used to like yeah. feed him with looks like a like a, like something you do with a baby like a big old yeah. spoon like come on <laughs> they're like no i don't want to eat it <laughs> yeah i mean you can almost like look at the 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 technology they're using as kind of a critique as well of uh you know if you have giant i mean it's, it's obviously it's environmental but it's slightly different it's climate change I would say that one of the things that i, I kind of I thought of is where we're seeing this chair and stuff is this idea that instead of actually solving the problem that's causing all this pain or understanding mm-hmm. the problem, we're just t- constantly sort of like, you know, like patching up the, the effects of it, the symptoms, right? So there's, there's a whole industry is developed to like help with this pain when there's just a solution to eradicating it in the first place, you know, kind of thing. Uh, right. I, you know, I think that's part of human nature and I was kind of getting some of those vibes from that. But he finally decides to try this plastic bar at the end. Um, and it's after he spent the night, like, he, he fell out of his bed and he's on the floor just in pain. And, like, she wakes up and sees him like that and she's like, oh, like, well, how, how does the pain feel? What is it like? And 
So if the idea the whole time that was interesting at the start of the movie is that the pain, human pain, by and large, is a warning system that something is wrong, that you need to change something. You know, the most typical thing in modern day we'd say is, you feel some pain, you go to the doctor because something might be wrong, right? That's uh, the most basic principle, that's what it is, right? Yeah. Infection, or yeah. burns, or <laughs> cuts, anything, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you feel some pain, go to the doctor because something's wrong, and... He finally takes the warning and he says, okay, if, if, if this is what where humanity is going is we're actually evolving quickly to deal with the fact that we're creating all this plastic waste, I'm going to try this plastic. And I like the choice, because we see Caprice filming some stuff on this little camera ring early on in the film, um, really early on, but it's I think it's in colour the first time you see it, but this final moment where it switches to the, the feed from her camera ring and it's in black and white, and it's this close-up of Vigo's face where he finally stops writhing in pain and finally goes still. And the still. chair stops too because, yeah. it, you know, it, it detects that he no longer is in pain. Yeah. As he stops feeling pain and the final shot of the movie in black and white is him shedding a single tear and just forming a kind of a half smile. And it's a really sweet kind of, like, ending. You know, you really feel this, like, moment of relief finally that he finally understands and is accepted what, who he is and... You know, you, you could apply this to anything where someone's not accepting who they are and they finally do, and, you know, that, you know. Yeah, I was picking up on kind of, like, a trans message in this, too. Like, just mm. not feeling comfortable in your own body and, uh, you know, people telling you what, sure, what yeah. you can and can't do with it. And, uh, uh, yeah. The idea that the government that. and the political forces in, the, in this world are trying to, like, stop it and they're trying to, like, say, no, 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 mm-hmm. you, this is all an abomination, you can't do it, yeah. All that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, instead, sit in this weird bone chair <laughs> <laughs> and deal with it. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some of that. There's there's definitely these ideas of, like, us having to adapt, and if we don't adapt by choice, then evolution and biology will do it over time for us. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, and obviously, it's, it's, you know, it's ridiculous and over the top, this idea that we'll eventually start to be able to consume plastic, but that's kind of the point of the movie is that, you know, you turn it up to 11 and you, you go more extreme with it kind of thing yeah i mean i imagine there's you know obviously plastic waste is a, it's a huge thing that we're dealing with uh, mostly the cutting off the the symptoms would be or the not dealing with the symptoms of it and instead cutting it off at the source would be better like let's just not create new plastic unless it's absolutely necessary <laughs> yeah be ideal um so that we don't have this soiling green future where we're forced to adapt ourselves to consume our own waste, plastic waste. Yeah, the movie's very much like a, a consequential uh, war. Obviously, the title of the movie, I think, is more about what's considered a crime in this future rather than the crimes that have led to this future existing. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I do think the movie in some ways is maybe a consequence of uh, some of that. And obviously, it does have a lot of heart, though. There's a lot of like human connection and questions of like human intimacy in this and... You know, you get a lot of that with, with Vigo and, and Leah Sado's characters and, like, their intimacy. And um, I like how they play off of each other where there's definitely times where, like, maybe they don't see eye to eye where she seems maybe a little jealous at one point, maybe, of, like, Timlin's attention, you know, towards him. He doesn't mm-hmm. seem necessarily thrilled when she's, like, taking this step to, like, get this little, like, I don't even know what you'd call Cat it. shoes in her head. Yeah, she she goes to this other performance artist who's who's basically like sculpted scars into her face to, to form yeah, a design. Yeah, she's a model. Yeah, and yeah, she's using her body to like be cut into 
and to be uglier. Yeah. In in her words. Yeah, uh, and she's like tempted by this to like you know yeah like cut her own skin and like do something, and she ends up with these sort of bumps going across her forehead. And his reaction to that like does seem a little apprehensive at first. You know, it's kind of it's like. I kind of appreciate that it never feels like it's them like falling apart and like the relationship is crumbling, but there's a very understandable and natural kind of instant reaction to some of the things that they do on their own. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. what have you done? Like, I need to try and process this and understand it. And likewise, when he goes and gets like a, a zipper put in his stomach. <laughs> that's, a, that's a random scene, which gets very sexual when she opens it and gets down on her knees and kind of like starts to just... It's yeah yeah it's it's very much just fellatio (laughs) (laughs) don't let it spill Uh. yes uh that was a good line it was very very cringe (laughs) the movie i thought actually was pretty tame on its uh grotesqueness but this scene i thought was actually pretty grotesque it was gross I thought the, the the Ben eating was was worse, but you know that's just maybe what what particularly the, which part? the Ben eating the plastic eating at the start I thought was worse. Oh yeah, yeah. But that's, that's... I don't know. Leo Sado like opening up his stomach and like sticking her face in his open flesh and like <laughs> organs was pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was pretty nasty. Yeah, the the other element of the film, of course, is the uh, the two like mechanic ladies who come to like fix up the 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 bed and the chair. And then they let them take a look at this, you know, fancy autopsy table or uh, like device that they use. It, I'd basically describe it as you know how like in like Prometheus, yeah, Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got yeah, the, the, strong Prometheus vibes. Yeah, you've got the operating yeah. table. That, well, it doesn't have a Prometheus vibes. It was just... I don't know. I thought like the um, it's almost like a like a sea creature, like with the the like an exoskeleton of an insect or something. Oh, sure, sure. I think it's sort of designs like that on, in the Prometheus ship. But I know you mean the autopsy table. Yeah, I, I just mean the idea it's that it's a sleek. self-operating thing. That, I mean, it is being controlled by someone at a control pad, but like, the idea you've got these like arms coming in and doing like, the lasering and cutting and whatever. Um, but these two characters are very interesting and weird because it turns out by the end that they're actually like, assassins who are part of the anti-evolution like or whatever you want to call it, anti-moving forward with humanity because they assassinate... First of all, the doctor, who's part of like the the inner beauty pageant or whatever it's called, uh, they come and assassinate him uh, for his part in it. They assassinate the dad at the end, um, but they're also like, super enthusiastic about all this machinery. And there's also one scene that I honestly don't know how to decipher. Uh, I'm sure you know what scene oh, I'm talking they just about. Get naked in it? <laughs> yeah, well, it's like just they get naked on their own. Like, like Caprice is there and she's got her back turned and she's like looking at some devices or whatever. And they're like working on the autopsy table behind her, and they just all of a sudden take their overalls off, and like they've planned to be naked because they're not wearing anything else underneath their overalls, right? They just take their overalls off, and they're full frontal, and then when Caprice turns around, they're they're they're, they're both lying together in the autopsy machine, and they're like, "Hey, could we be performance artists?" And she just and Caprice laughs and says, "Yeah, I think you might have have what it takes or something like that," and then it just cuts to the next scene, and. Given where it goes with those two characters and what they become, what what it turns out they are, I am honestly I don't know how to, how to interpret that scene. I don't know what it means. Maybe <laughs> maybe it is gratuitous. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's just a little something for everybody. <laughs> I mean, 
it's not really a, a very sexy scene though it's no just, uh... it's it's not it's it's one of those weird like things in a movie where it's like very nude but it's not necessarily very erotic it's just like yeah but you know there's it's full frontal it's two full frontal ladies like mm-hmm. you know g- getting into a a, a walnut <laughs> no, no no that's the actual bed this is more of a sauna i would say that's the autopsy mm-hmm. thing yeah yeah so imagine two people lying in an autopsy uh, not, uh, t- imagine two people lying in a sauna uh bed together is what i'm say, trying to say <laughs> a sauna bed in, ter- in terms of like size in terms of like how much room there is so they're kind of hunched together yeah okay like there was logic to it in my head. So I, I don't know how to interpret this. I mean, honestly, these two characters, other than representing the powers that be that are trying to stop, like, ev- you know, like, evolution and, and advancement and stuff like that. Like, I don't know how to interpret these two, especially in the the, the artistic, like, themes of the film. Because obviously, we've, we've talked about that a little bit. I think there's more to even talk about with, like, how everything represents something if you look through it that lens, where mm-hmm. this idea of the artist and... I think because I think when you take the ending literally, like I, I like my interpretation of what I said earlier about you know he finally like is accepted going forward and that's why the character's arc is done and why he's happy. When I look at that ending through the lens of this is him about like Cronenberg talking about his art, what does this ending actually represent? Is this him finally accepting <laughs> change? <I> mean- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe this is what I mean when I say that I don't really think that the two themes that are running throughout this film really like mesh, mesh very well. Mm. I, I I think it, there's a bit of a disconnect where I, maybe I just need another scene or something where things uh, make a little bit more sense as to what your message is on this film. Um, Because uh, I also don't think that... Uh, I don't know how to interpret the ending as like obviously to the character that this is a very good thing. This is this is a positive change for humanity for the future. If we just allow evolution to happen, allow uh, what's natural to take over, and um, we can clean up our mess and be able to to live and be comfortable in our own bodies and stuff like that. But it's also kind of a dour message of like if we don't you know if we don't stop screwing up things then. <laughs> we're gonna have to like find a way to eat our own waste in the future <laughs> in order I mean, to survive it's kind of that i i think it's positive in the context of the movie because in the movie like obviously the movie as a whole is kind of a warning sign right it absolutely mm-hmm. is but i think in the context of the movie it's happy because well the problems are just going to get worse if humanity refuses to accept this natural solution that is now being presented to it you know um uh, so I think it is happy in the context of the movie, although obviously the movie as a whole is definitely, like, yes. I guess if you, maybe if you look at um, Saul as as not just the artist, but the art, you know, um, well, I, I was going somewhere with this, but I, I lost it, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is, the ending is that... Uh, his art it finally knows what it is i don't know man i'm done i, I have no idea <laughs> i can't i can't make this work in no, I, <laughs> no i'm trying to think about the ending in the context of the art lens because if you so let's think about this so he this this character is an artist who literally like his art comes from the inside it causes him pain 
everyone's taking a piece of him every time or he's given away a piece of himself every time he makes like a movie mm-hmm. say right um and that's you know what the organs kind of represent leo sado is the well, represents the producers <laughs> making their own stamp on it <laughs> you're marking it up stop it <laughs> you're marking it up no so he, he like so it gives a piece of himself every time he makes a movie and the idea that maybe if this is the end of his career he's accepting that he's not going to do that anymore and that now all the pieces of him are now his that he's not going to give them up anymore and the ending it's not so much about him eating the the plastic so much as it's like now that he's accepting that he's not giving himself away he can finally be content and rest right so you're the the worries of making more the worries of you know the pressures are, are are now going. I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching well, here. Well, but... I wonder if um, we haven't talked about the ear guy yet, really. Was well, um, I on one scene? It's not. <laughs> well, yeah. So like, but the scene is that we get to see somebody else who's doing this type of performance art, where they're using their own body. Uh, this guy is just covered in ears, but he. They, I mean, they did get like a contortionist and dancer to do this part, so it is like a beautiful scene. <laughs> But, like, the criticisms that we hear from people who don't have the same for Saul's work are, well, there's no purpose. There's no meaning to it. Like, the ears aren't functioning. They're just decorative. So it's yeah, all kind he, of meaningless. He calls it so escapism. maybe... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, he calls it escapism. And, like, the woman that's talking to him even says that... You know, don't tell him I said this, but he's actually better at just the dancing. So, which, if you compare that to a movie, the idea is that, oh, they're good at the visual effects. They're good at the special effects and the... The, you know the, the the eye candy but it's not really what makes there's no substance yeah yeah um so maybe like Saul at the end you know realizing what his body is actually doing now that it has a purpose now that he now that he knows that his art should actually take a side maybe now that that's like the the reason for it you know he's he's crying with joy because like now he has produced art that really does mean something and it means you know what oh what yeah the, no. what the resistance group was trying to do with their son i like this actually no i think you're onto something here so basically the idea being that yeah like him her, her saying that to him when he's criticizing saying it's escapism and saying that all oh, the years have no purpose then maybe internally in some way he's worried that well do my organs that i'm producing have a purpose like the, you know is it just fluff as well and i, I i'm hoity-toity i think my art's better but are the things I'm producing in my body are they of actually any value? So maybe if you look at through the artist lens, it's the idea of do my films actually mean something? Uh, you know, are they just fluff or are they something that actually benefits the world? So maybe you could read the ending as him finally accepting that yeah, all my organs, all the films I've produced have meant something to people, uh, and that's why. As if you look at through the artist theme and the artist lens, that's why he's finally at peace because he's accepting that people do actually care about his his, his work. We got there, man. We did it. We made it make sense. I don't. Th- yeah, I, I, honestly, I think that's a good interpretation. <laughs> Looking at it through that, that lens, I think that's a good interpretation of the ending. Okay, we did it. Yeah. And for the record, I, I did have a quick look to see what other people said about the ending, and almost everything I looked at was only talking about it literally. No, no, no one was like trying to interpret it from like a like. What does this mean in the context of like him representing Cronenberg himself and the organs being his movies? Or I mean, there's so like much of that throughout the whole film that you can't just ignore it at the end. Like it's got to be there somewhere, right? So, yeah, you know, because you know we talked about this a lot with um, like Close Encounters and how that was kind of like Spielberg talking yeah. about making art. 
I've been I was thinking about that a lot, yeah. actually, during our discussion. <laughs> but, 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 you know, this is Cronenberg doing the same thing. But unlike Spielberg, that, that was Spielberg's, like, second movie. This is Cronenberg's, like... I mean, it may not be his last, but this is... We're, not, we're, we're towards the end of his career. He's been making movies since the 70s, right? Maybe even the end of the yeah, 60s. Yeah, but, I mean, like I said, this, this script was written, like, 20 years ago. And yeah, apparently but, he didn't change it very much, according yeah. to him. Yeah, but even twenty years ago, he'd already been making movies for thirty years. Like you know, he was That's already right. he'd already had a long career. The the point I'm making here is that this is the perspective of someone at the end of the the artist life cycle. You know, this is someone mm-hmm. who is quite maybe questioning. You know, as we were just saying, questioning did my work. Was it worth something? What did um, and maybe that's why he didn't make it for a while. Maybe he maybe he wanted to save it until it was like truly like he felt it was coming towards the end of his career. You know. He, yeah, I mean, it does make more sense to view this, um, you know, self-portrait in a way as a, you know, reflection on his entire body of work, which yeah. I have not seen. Although I do like him in Discovery. Oh, as an actor, sure, yeah. <laughs> I, I do, uh, yeah, because I wonder if the whole idea of, like, uh, you know, I'm not good at the old sex, that, that's him saying, yeah, I'm not good at the traditional movies. I don't make jaws i don't oh, make yeah that. totally yeah <laughs> not not as a critique of those movies but just like you know i can't do that like that's just not never been my thing i make cronenberg movies you know <laughs> yeah uh which again makes sense i think in the in the context of like i think you could be you could be right in saying that maybe the, the two the two main things because they're both definitely there the, the environmental message of, about humanity and the look at art like do they mesh together does it feel like they they kind of coexist together and form a like a, a cohesive whole? That that's maybe the one critique you could maybe levy at it because I'm not really sure if they do. I like both of them though, and I think they both work really well. So ultimately, I don't have much of a problem with it. But if you tell me that they feel very separate, like I, I can't really argue with you right right now because I haven't really thought of a way to make them work together. Um. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they they feel like two th- two di- separate things in the film. Um, I could see how they work together in, during in the plot and in just in the world that they live in. Um, but it's just, I don't know. There there is something I feel that's just kind of, uh, I'm not where where he wants me to be with this film. I think, where I just accept it all. It, it's well, let's, let's still try. a bit of a struggle. Let's try. Let's try and connect them. So. If you think about the relationship of art and the purpose of art, right, and the purpose of escapism and art having, like, meaning, right? In the context of this film, the art is going to be used as a message to try and, you know, to provoke and to change opinions and make people realize that this is where we're going, this is where we need to go as a people. So if you sort of think about the idea of, like, you know, Cronenberg's always had messages in his movies, most like serious like directors and writers and artists do have messages in their work it's kind of like part of what art is um maybe the the point of him like maybe it's not important what the message is specifically but the idea that he wanted to tie it to a political message in the film because so much of his movies and art is about trying to put a message into it and like taking a stance on a subject so there had to be a stance for the character to have between two things in the film so, um, and you can still argue it doesn't mesh perfectly together, but I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking it through and trying to see that's why it naturally it has both rather than just the one. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying. It's, uh, you know, maybe I just need to do a few more watches <laughs> through time 
and eventually I'll be like, you know what, that's his best work or something. But <laughs> it does, it does not feel... quite there yet. But it's, I, I definitely don't think it's a, it's a bad movie. I think it's absolutely, it's a good movie, and everybody should watch it. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely a challenge. I'd say, like some things are very obvious in the film. You're like, oh, I get what this is saying, but and then other things, I'm just like, not. I'm not, I'm not following this very Which well. Which isn't necessarily... Like I, think I, I see everything that's happened, and I've heard everything, but I'm not making the connections that I think uh, are the director's intending. Well, I mean, David Cronenberg's films have always been, like, kind of like that, where the, not every layer is necessarily obvious on a first or even second viewing. They're, they're kind of, like, they're, you're encouraged to kind of dig deep in, try and think about it, and maybe even to some extent come up with your own interpretations and, and, and what it's saying. And I think this is a movie that will, the more you watch it, probably be more fruitful because it it does have all these things. And enough of it is there on the first viewing that you kind of get the broad strokes of what it's saying, the emotional beats of, of the ending, I do think, land on a first viewing. But then, you know, on the second viewing, you know, there, I was noticing more little things that were hinting towards these themes. And I was noticing more direct little lines and things early on. That, because, because, you know, when you're first watching a movie, you haven't necessarily quite got what the key point of it is yet you're sort of discovering it as the movie's unfolding so when you watch it a second time and you're like okay i know what the movie is now you start to see the signs clearer earlier on that were maybe not obscure but like just not as like in your face the first time um and it does make it a rewarding experience because you sort of oh as a complete sort of thought out work that is working towards like one key idea the whole time um so yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I look forward to revisiting it in the future. Yeah, and I own it now, so I will. But, uh, I mean, overall, I think it's still a, a really great experience because it's, it's just so unique, you know. And it is a bit of a challenge to, you know, to piece some of the stuff together. But that can make a, a movie experience fun. Like, you know, give me a challenge. And definitely, like, the performances are amazing in this film. Like, I think everyone's really great in, just to watch and they... I'll give it their all. I think Vigo like really stands out in this film. Yeah, I like the performances. I, I, you know, I talked about the kind of the nuances in the relationship that I kind of appreciate both in the performances and the writing, where it doesn't just feel like a typical movie couple, which I think works. Mm -hmm. um, I think the movie's great. Like, I, I, I it left me thinking. You know, I was getting this like. Like the, the the world felt heavy. It felt burdened with these questions, right, right from the, the get go. And the music's a big part of that. The first time that heavy main theme comes in, when it cuts to like them leaving the the building, or actually the first time is I think when the, the dad finds the body. But like when that music comes in, the world feels heavy, and you feel like this is a world where people need to figure something out because something's not quite right. Like everything feels very nihilistic, and in a way where. You know, people have all turned to performance art because they're looking to feel something because they're not feeling it from other things, and the you know something's not working. It's a warning sign, much like pain. There's lots of warning signs as to why the world's not quite right, and I think the movie, yeah, it's a, it's a you know it's a warning about some of the things that it's, it's you know it's taking from the real world, but it's also saying don't be afraid to adapt and change, and in ways you know don't like just. Because I think there's multiple reactions to their art in this film, and some of them are, like, fascinated and they're happy with that reaction and they're happy to provoke and make people think. But then, then you have other reactions that um, take the wrong things from it and, and sort of almost fetishize it in a way that's unhealthy. I'd sort of say Kristen Stewart's character 
maybe goes into that kind of territory. Mm-hmm. Um, but then alternatively, you have like, the, the powers that be that we never see. You know, we have this police officer kind of character, but we never really see the higher-ups that are making these choices. But you just get this feeling that, no, the powers that be want to stop any evolution. They want to stop any change. They don't like different. They've never liked different. They want to make things stay the same. So they're going to fund companies that make devices that convince people they can keep doing things the old way. Um, but they can't. Actually, I, I enjoyed the detail of the tattooing just as an extension. In a weird way, like, it seems unnecessary in the movie, but it kind of grounds it to reality because tattoos are a way that people use their body as, like, art, as yeah. a canvas or as... So it, it made sense that it was in it, even though, like, when it was in the movie, like, why would they need to tattoo, you know, like, skulls I, on this organ or something? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's the thing. Tattoos in the real world aren't needed for anything. But it's a purely, a, you know, aesthetic choice, you know? It's, it's purely an artistic expression. It just, it made it feel like it was still, even though this is a, a weird future, it made it feel like it was uh, more grounded in our own reality in our future if that makes sense it did feel just, relative. just by including the tattoos in there yeah in fact one scene that i think we 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 haven't talked about is uh so he goes back to the bureau at one point uh to talk to whippet and it turns out that whippet's actually the guy who registers people who are getting into this contest and he's not made to do this this is illegal he's not he shouldn't be doing this but he he cares about these organs he cares about evolution and he wants to like you know display the beauty of them and there's a moment here that I thought was really interesting where, again, it was kind of like Cronenberg discussing, like, some people reject his films and, like, so, so there's a moment here where Whippet, you know, he obviously is very appreciative of and really worships Tenser in a lot of ways, but he does say, I mean, the one caveat is, is you do cut them out. You take these beautiful new things that grow in you and you remove them. Uh, some people definitely who go to this, like, inner beauty pageant... <laughs> won't love that idea and it, it basically scares Vigo off where he says oh you know maybe you're right maybe I don't belong there you know maybe I'd have to fake it maybe I don't have any ideas and we actually know that's not true we've already heard in other scenes that he's got multiple organs going I mean um, he knows because uh, the bed can't like yeah compensate when he's growing something exactly new. exactly <laughs> the bed's confused this is like there's too much to compute but he's he's ready to walk away and immediately Whippet says no 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 please like please no we need you we need you like you're an important part of this and you know we'll make it work and i just i kind of felt like this idea that yeah sometimes as an artist like yeah you're not always on you're not always in your artist mode where you're there to like sell your art like sometimes like yeah it's a bit too commercial or it's a bit too like you uh, think of like a director or an actor having to go and do like a press circuit where they're having to talk about the movie like a day in day out for like a few weeks as it's been promoted and when it's getting released and you know this is it's a bit of a it's a bit of an easy comparison that's not i think as nuanced as it should be for this but that idea that sometimes you're not always there for it and that yeah if you're going to force me into your system you know if you, if you think of this inner beauty pageant as like say the oscars or like some sort of traditional movie appreciation kind of event uh, the idea that oh i have to conform you're just saying that i stand out i don't really fully belong in this and maybe you could take the ending as cronenberg saying as well you know he's finally eating the plastic and keeping his organs it's not him conforming to like the way movies are done 
base except and that he's equally a part of it and that he's helped build what movies are now or something like that you could be i think he's just embracing the weird also he is also embracing the weird like he's always embracing the weird but i do think he's embracing the weird with like a bit of a message as opposed to just weird for weird's sake like you know i don't know donnie darko or something <laughs> <laughs> i don't really remember much donnie darko but i saw southland tales and trust me weird for weird's sake is definitely uh I yeah, think. this is not upstream color, which is D- how dare film. you? No, upstream <laughs> color is is not bad. It's a terrible film. No, terrible. It's not bad. It's not Don't as good. It. It's not as good as Primer, but it's not bad. I will. I refuse no, to. Bad. I know. I refuse to agree with that. How dare you? It's a bad movie. How dare you? Uh, <laughs> but. No, I, I that was an interesting conversation he has with them and how he's like, he almost leaves and then he sort of comes crawling to him to come back. This idea that there's always people who like boo or walk out of a Cronenberg film, but mm-hmm. can always invite them back. They always want more Cronenberg. <laughs> you know? Well, he's got a unique vision. Um, you know, he is a true artist and he does put his inside out there on the table for everyone to gawk at and it is grotesque and beautiful at the same time. So. Oh yeah, I was yeah. thinking of... Um, so Jared when like a uh, Timlin like we find out she's done the other surgery and you know this it's kind of a bastardization because she's done it for the for the government or for the police and they've mm-hmm. done whatever they've done to the kid. I was kind of thinking like okay so this is like him talking about like imitators and copycats and it's not so much that you say you know I, I think Cronenberg would be very encouraging to to anyone to be an artist or be a filmmaker, but it's like be you, you be be a filmmaker that is you rather than just try to be Cronenberg too. And I was thinking a little bit about the fact that his son is now a director. And I think mm-hmm. what I would say is that having seen his film Possessor is that while we compared it to his father because it's extreme, arguably more extreme than his father's ever been, it did distinctly that feel... That was a very uncomfortable film, yeah. yeah. But it did distinctly feel different, though. Like, it didn't feel like David Cronenberg. It felt like, you know what, I, I get that you're a Cronenberg, but you don't feel like him. Like, you do, it does feel different. Whereas, cause, and I think it felt more so when I came back to this film, and I was like, no, this feels like David Cronenberg again. Like, that's, like I, there's a distinct difference between David and his son. Oh, yeah. Brandon totally. Cronenberg. I, just, I was trying to remember his first name. Brandon. <laughs> Cronenberg Jr. He's not a junior, but yeah. <laughs> yes, so... Yeah, uh, those Canucks, they're pretty grotesque people, I guess. Uh... Yeah, but they're very different in terms of what they're provoking, I think, even though they both deal with, uh, like, you know, violence and sex and things like that but there's oh yeah totally um yeah i i see what you mean like there are definitely similarities of the subjects that they're willing to tackle and how far they're willing to push it um but they're very different in style yeah there there was very i mean there was some body horror but there was very it was very it wasn't like this like uh fleshy horror that the Cronenberg does. Cronenberg does a lot of fleshy things. <laughs> yeah, Cronenberg does a lot of uh you know, he's kind of gigaresque. It's it's very, you know, it's a lot of just uh the human body but mutations or um something extended from that. It's things that are very biological and organic. Like he's kind of obsessed with the human body. And uh and I'd say the from what I've only seen Possessor. I don't haven't seen anything else that he's done. Brandon Cronenberg. I'm not sure if he has done anything else, but his movie was more like there is body horror, but it's more of just like the horror of having something happen to you that's not fantastical, like in this in in David's work. Yeah, um, 
I, I really liked it. I thought it was thought-provoking. I thought it looked great. I thought the sound it sounded great. I always felt immersed in the world, and it did make me think about what it was saying. And I was never bored. I was never remotely bored by anything. I was always... Actually, goes by pretty quickly. It's not. It's not the longest movie, but it it, it, def, it definitely yeah. flies by. Yeah, it's about an over forty five or something like that. It's not like, you know, I would say it's super short either, but it's not long. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I would recommend it. It's, it's definitely not something that everyone's going to love. If you are someone who just likes a Marvel movie, then I would stay far away. <laughs> You're not going to get much out of Enjoy this. Enjoy your ear dancer. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I, I love the new Marvel movie. I want to talk about. I went inside in theaters. That's uh, <laughs> great. Yeah. Love and Thunder, baby. Woo. Maybe it's like a it's like a heavy metal cartoon, but PG. It's fun. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch it someday. I don't know. I'm in no rush. Um Oh please. <laughs> Mr. Too High and Mighty now for Marvel movies. <laughs> I'm not too high and mighty, but like I've still not watched the the last one. Because you don't like Doctor Strange. True, but uh, I don't know. I don't and you know. don't like Sam Raimi for some reason. I don't have much. He's a unique uh, filmmaker, also. You can be unique and me not like you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for the record, for anyone who doesn't know the, the full brunt of that, I do like the Evil Dead movies, but I discovered over the last like five or so years that everything Sam Raimi's directed that isn't Evil, evil Dead, I don't like. Um, so, you know, that's what it is. Anyway, um, I really like Crimes of the Future. Uh, I think it, it scratched a, an itch. It's one of my favorite movies that I've seen this year, I think. Um, I don't know where it will rank. When Wait the, till you see Men. The year's out. Um, you're you're going to hate it, though. Am I going to hate Men? Actually, I don't know. I don't know what you'll feel about it. I know you'll hate the ending. Mm. Okay. But then you'll go, but I like art house stuff, so how am I going to interpret this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, there's some broad strokes been painted here about art house fans, I think, in some of your comments, and I don't think I appreciate it. Well, I think you need to uh, get off your high horse a little bit <laughs> and stop poo pooing people who enjoy your dancer, man. Okay. I, I'm not poo pooing anything. <laughs> I'm just bored of the Marvel movies. I'm just bored of them. That's all it is. Every time I think I'm bored, they come up with a new one, and I'm like, no, I liked it. It was fun. And I don't, uh, and I'm not really excited about the new one. A, because the reviews are very middling, but also because I've actually read the comics it's based on, and it's not like a funny, like story at all. Uh, no, so I, I'm not. I don't, funny. I don't think I like the idea of it being turned into a comedy, but you know, whatever. Well, it's whatever. <laughs> whatever, man. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna give my final thoughts and sure, so yes, by all means, final thoughts and rating. I like the movie. Uh, it's definitely not one of my favorites that I've seen this year, but like, it's still like very unique, very, very cool film. Uh, just, you know, excited to get a new Cronenberg also. I think it's been a little while and, um, I'm going to give it a 6.5. Very provocative film. Um, very, hey, I'm sorry. I'm much sorry. Worth watching. Did, did you say 6.5? Somebody just said. Yeah. Okay. It's a bit lower than. I thought you were going to go. Uh, I, I was that's a thing where I was sort of zoning out, and I thought, "Did she say six point five? Yeah, six point five. <laughs> I mean, it, it might. It, it's very possible that my rating will increase on more viewings, but as of right now, that's where I am. All right. Well, now that mainstream Tara's given her rating, uh, I, I will give the art house fans <laughs> respect. 
I don't really want to be considered the art house fan, though. I'm only cracking that joke because you like to get, make all your high horse jokes. Yeah. I watched School I just, of Rock yesterday. You. That's all. I watched School <laughs> of Rock yesterday and I had a blast. I like plenty of light-hearted films. Yes, when you were like a kid, you like your kids' movies. We all do that. I like new light-hearted films. I liked... uh was come out recently? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. What, what do you like about this film? Wrap it up. Uh, I mean, I like it. I like pretty much everything. Like, I, I, you know, I can kind of see that maybe the two big themes of the film don't necessarily mesh that much, but everything in the movie works for both of them so well that I'm not even sure if I mind. Um, I thought it was an experience. I didn't even. I wasn't mad that I had to watch it again a few days later because we, we had to delay the record and then we realized we should probably just watch it again because it's got a lot of you know thoughtful things in it. Um, so when I was watching that second time you know, I was like oh I'm, I'm captivated again like if anything more so because like I'm sort of looking at the details a bit more because I know what the, the movie's kind of poking at uh performances are great it looks and sounds great um I was I'm just into it um I'm not going to go super high yet but it could grow over time I I, I think I'm comfortable in saying this is an 8.5 for me uh uh I, I think it's one of the most interesting and thought-provoking films of the year and um, I'm glad we finally got around to uh, be able to do it. So me too. Crimes of the future. That is David Cronenberg, uh, and we've got another new release coming. Uh, I say next week, but technically it'll be later this week by the time this goes out because this one's late. Uh, and that is everything, everywhere, all at once. Is that, is that the title? Yeah, I think there's an and in it. Okay. Everything, everywhere, and all at once. Okay. Okay. Um, I didn't have it in front of me. I was just saying it from memory because I knew that's what we were doing next. But then I realized, shit, I may not get the title exactly right. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so this, this, this is the multiverse movie uh, that came out. So. Well, I already saw that one. It's called Doctor Strange. This is the multiverse movie that came out that I want to see. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about this. You know, I'm big fan of Shell Yo. I've heard that this is quite a showcase for her acting, so it's, I'm excited yeah, to see what she can do. It's had relatively good buzz. You know, I've, I've heard people be quite positive on it, so... Uh, and I'm, short rounds in it. But, I'm like, looking, he's an adult. Well, obviously. He's older than we are. <laughs> <laughs> he was, uh... He, was a he kid took a long break from acting, that's all. <laughs> a very long break. Our entire lifetime. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um... So, that's what's coming up next time. Uh, Tara, why don't you uh, plug? Actually, I should probably plug a little bit because uh, the Patreon is just changing. I'll put an announcement out. And Tara- yeah, why don't you take over this one just so I don't screw it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's just, it's, it's changed a little bit. That, that too are different, but uh, yeah, if you want to support the show, you can hit the super thanks button uh, below the video on YouTube. You can obviously go to patreon.com slash TV. Uh, things have shaken up, but the good news is, is there's an extra thing coming your way, particularly an extra thing that has Tara in it. So, uh, you might be particularly incentivized. Uh, so... <laughs> Me? I might be incentivized? You love You're the not getting my money. You love the sound of your own voice. You know you do. Uh, I do. I know it's not great, but it's all I got. <laughs> so yeah, uh, if you're a Patreon, uh, you can support us uh, for however much you want. Uh, but the tiers have changed a little bit. It's not too much different. 
but now uh, the low tier is three dollars and that gets you access to the bonus episode every month as well as uh, the bonus episode of screams after midnight the horror movie podcast that i do with tim uh at the five dollar tier you get access uh to your early access to the show uh, by a day that's one of the main perks for this show as well as other shows uh but you also now get access to another monthly show at that tier called movie meltdown something's went wrong in the lab and we're overflowing with movies uh so it's basically the sister show to even more streams which is a show where me and tim get together and we just talk about whatever other horror movies we've been watching that month uh just small spoiler free uh and we have some fun and do some goofy stuff as well uh that's basically going to be the same but with us except we're with one twist on it which is that we're not going to do it with sci-fi movies we're going to talk about everything but sci-fi movies so it's basically where you'll hear us talk about just whatever movies we've been watching it's gonna be a casual show yep. once a month um talking about whatever weird random or just normal movies we've been watching so try to keep up <laughs> so if you want to hear us talk about random action movies comedies uh dramas thrillers made for tv movie starring dean stockwell <laughs> tara watches a lot of weird shit so you probably get a lot of that um <laughs> i won't talk about horror movies on the show because i obviously have a horror show that i've got a complete outlet for but tara may talk about horror if she was watched any so well joe bob ended his season so i'll be watching less than i usually do ah there you go see so. uh so that's in the five dollar tier uh starting uh in august right so that the first episode of that'll be in august just uh for, for clarification's sake um yes and then the ten dollar tier is the voting tier for everything you get to vote once a month on an ace episode you get to vote once a month on a streams episode you get to vote once a month on the priority of the pilots that i review on the tv channel uh that's the new structure there'll be a big post on patreon explaining all this as well uh but it just occurred to me that i was going to make tara do the patreon plug and it's uh it's just, I mean, the, the main. I, ha- I have to relearn it. <laughs> the, the main thing is, is that it's like there's there's two bonus shows. One's at three dollars. One's at five dollars. That's that's the two important. That's the two juiciest things that you need to mention. Okay. <laughs> that's the two juicy things. We haven't done Robocop, and now I can't do the I'd buy that for a dollar. I'm yeah. I'm sorry. Inflation. Uh, <laughs> is a thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> we had a dollar for five years. Uh, yeah. Uh, although it's worth mentioning, just in case you're hearing this for the first time, anyone who was at a dollar is grandfathered at that price and doesn't have to go up. You can stay at a dollar forever. If that's all you want to do, uh, that's fine. And if you want to just donate a dollar and not get anything, you can do that too if you want. Like, that's an option. Yeah. You'll any still all- get our appreciation. Yeah. Any and all support is obviously wonderful. And we, we thank everyone. All the names tattooed on my heart. But you won't be able to see it. And with that said, I, sh- I should thank our Patreon producers for the month, which is also a tier. So thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Sandy Palacios, David Sharp, Board Now, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Tradesman, and Alison M. Fordyce. Thank you all uh, to everyone uh, for being Patreon producers. Okay. I think I'm done. Is there anything I can make you plug instead? Um, pl- no. pl- plug, the, plug the TV stuff we do together. Go on. Uh, yeah, if you guys enjoy <laughs> us talking about science fiction stuff, then you can check out on the TV channel, Mild Fuzz TV, and uh, you can watch us talk about Babylon 5. We're working through the series. Almost done. And uh, Twilight Zone, which we are on the fourth season of. 
Uh, we've also done a bunch of the new Star Treks. We've finished Strange New Worlds, so if you're curious about our thoughts on that, uh, that's all up for you. And uh, head on over, check that out. Thank you. So it's just the way you started that with, uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right, there you go. That is uh, that is the episode. That is Frames of the Future. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, hopefully some of our trying to interpret the movie's meanings was was entertaining if not somewhat thoughtful and insightful i, I hope a little bit but uh yeah let us what you think of the movie and your thoughts on what the movie's about and the comments below like subscribe ding the bell all that stuff uh get us on the twitters at streams midnight for notifications and things like that uh but yeah that is us so thank you once again for watching and listening we always appreciate it keep watching science fiction and computer at salsa <laughs>